Welcome to Living Orthodoxy, an invitation to a deeper life in Christ, a podcast of St. Philip Orthodox Church in Souderton, Pennsylvania, dedicated to connecting the liturgical and spiritual life of the Orthodox parish with the life of the Orthodox home, presenting the weekly homilies of our parish pastors, Father Noah Buscelli and Father James Thayer, as well as discussions of the liturgical year and Orthodox life and practice by Justin Gold and Jeff Hyatt. It is uh, wonderful to be back home at St. Philip's. Uh, It's been a whirlwind weekend with a men's group yesterday, a wedding, beautiful wedding yesterday of my goddaughter, and uh, today our liturgy in Matin, Orthros and liturgy this morning. Um, It's sort of a coming together of my life because um, not only did, is this where I began, but I see there's people here from Holy Ascension, when I was at Holy Ascension, uh, and Kim and Walid, Deacon Elias are here from Chicago when I was stationed in Chicago, so I feel like there's a coming together of my life or something, and today has nothing to do with me, so it's weird. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Christ is in our midst. <clears throat> These last couple weeks in our gospel reading from St. Matthew chapter 14, uh, it has been a glorious journey. Last week I had the pleasure of preaching at my my new church uh, that I attend, St. Basil uh, in Hampton Roads, Virginia. Um, And I was able to preach on this gospel, so I feel it's a great privilege to sort of continue the Pericope reading of this week. Of, of Jesus' walking on the water. If you remember back to last week's gospel reading, we had the parable, or we had what? What was it? The feeding of who? The 5,000, right? Okay, this is why we could preach the same sermon every week and no one would remember. <laughs> it's the feeding of the 5,000. And we see these two gospels in the parable, or I mean, not the parable, excuse me, the, re, the feeding of the 5,000, and Jesus is walking on the water with Peter uh, as a conclusion to an event that happened that was very traumatic in the life of Jesus. And anybody, at the beginning of the 14th chapter, we see the beheading of John the Baptist. The beheading of John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. And he was very torn up and moved as a human being would when someone in your family loses their life. And Jesus wanted to get away from the crowds. He needed to go spend some time alone, as anyone would, who had just lost a family member and experienced something traumatic in their life. But Jesus isn't like just anyone. Because as he tried to go away to the mountain to get away and be alone and to spend some time with his heavenly Father, the crowds knew where he was and began to follow him. And it said in last week's gospel that Jesus had compassion upon them and he began to heal them of their infirmities. Beautiful, a beautiful picture. And he spent so much time with them, healing them and getting the demons out of them and doing whatever it was that God does here on earth, that the day had been long spent and it had come to the evening and they were far from the city And the disciples, being earthly-minded men, wanted to take care of the physical needs of the people. 5,000 people 
And all we have is this five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says something great. I love this, I love this passage. He says, you feed them. He says, you feed them. Now, I'm not a smart man. I'm terrible at math. But I know that five loaves and two fish are not going to feed 5,000 people. And the disciples thought the same exact way. But Lord, we only have, we only have. And that was their excuse. And Jesus goes ahead and feeds them and multiplies the, the loaves, multiplies the fishes. And it says what at the end of the passage? That they had 12 baskets left over. There was enough for even more people than were there that day. And that is the mystery of the church. You know, Jesus tells us, but you feed them. But you feed them. And we think to ourselves time after time after time, but Lord, I don't have, I don't have, you know, if we just had whatever it may be, and we think to ourselves, oh, but if I was just, then I would be able to do it, Lord. You know, if our church was just a little bit bigger, our choir was just a tad better. You know, if, if we had maybe two festivals a year, maybe we would be able to do, you know, maybe if uh, we picked up 50 more families, we would be able to do you know what, maybe if my business was doing a little bit better, I would, if I was a better father, I would do that. You know what, we, we think of all of these excuses. And Jesus is reminding them, the apostles, that they, want, they don't have the excuse. He says, you have everything you need right here. You have the Son of God before you, and you have five loaves and two fish. Go ahead and feed them. Trust in me. And as Christians, we have such a hard time trusting in God. And it's what we see when we come to the, the reading today in Matthew 14, at the end of Matthew 14, where Jesus is there. He's, you know, the crowds have diminished. They've sent him on the way. He's done all that he could do. And he implores, the, he tells the apostles, get into the boat and go away. You know, you know we see a little bit of... Uh, of Probably how most of us feel at the end of our days. You know, go away. Get in the boat and, and go. And then Jesus finally makes it up into the hills to pray and to spend time with the Father. But once again, a storm blows up on the, the sea there, the Lake of Gennesaret, and scares the living daylights out of the apostles. And they begin to cry out. And Jesus, you know, as he does, calmly just comes walking across the water to them. Uh, and they even freak out more because maybe they've been watching paranormal activity or something, I don't know. The, the, the uh, second century version of that. Parents are scratching their heads and saying, what's paranormal activity? Uh, never mind. But there, there comes a spirit across the water and he says to them, fear not, it is I. The God who was there in the burning bush, I am who I am, who reveals himself to Moses. You see, this is all starting to come together. Because for a New Testament reader of Matthew, were who? Who did Matthew write his gospel to? Jewish Christians, right? 
Jewish Christians. And they would have begun to see in this some connections back to their history where God took care of his people, where he parted the waters of the Red Sea to allow them to pass through, where he fed them manna in the wilderness, where water gushed forth from a living rock. And time after time, you know, they can go all the way to Elisha, where he was there with his servant Gehazi, and he brought forth the bread to feed the people, and there was food left over. For Elijah being fed by a raven, out of time after time, all throughout the Old Testament, we see pictures of God taking care of his people. And for Jewish Christians who had been reading this, they would have begun to see in these passages an allusion back to their early times. That once again, that we do not trust in God. And we become fearful of what life throws at us. Or we make excuses for why we can't do something for God. And Matthew is reminding them that, listen, God, time after time, has taken care of us. And guess what? The apostles are living proof that God will continue to take care of us. When we look at our church, when we look at our church, sometimes we can make excuses as to why a church isn't growing, why we're losing people, what are we doing, all of these things. Do we have enough programs? Are we reaching the right people? Are we saying and doing the right things? And we forget that when we walk into these doors, we walk into this room and we face this altar and we see what is about to happen this morning, that we have everything that we need for life and salvation and the world is craving the food that we are about to give them, about to give and partake of ourselves. And if they only knew that they could participate in the life-creating God, to have life within them, all of the things that they are searching after and want money, women, sex, men, big buildings, nice cars, all of the things that are going to leave them empty and in the wasteland of life, they could have by walking through those doors this morning. By participating in the body and blood of Christ. Today we witness the salvation of Miriam, a beautiful, where she enters into the church. All of us are witnesses to her new life in Christ and are responsible for her new life in Christ to help raise her, to pray for her, and develop her in the faith. Not just her godparents, but the whole church. We are witnesses here. The beauty of now having these in the divine liturgy where people can see them and not with you know, five people to have a party in the great hall afterwards when no one even knows what happened. Because this is what's happening. We are entering into a new life in Christ. When they got into the boat that day, they got into the boat that day, it's a sim symbol of the church. And when the storms of life begin to blow about us, there is safety within the church. And when we keep our eyes focused on Christ, we can do amazing things, even walk across the water. Someone said yesterday in our men's group that when they began to look down into the depths, that's when they, and they took their eyes off Christ, is when they lost it and began to, Peter began to sink into the depths. And as a church, the moment that we begin to take our eyes off why we exist, 
is the moment the church will begin to fall apart. People will begin to leave and, and flee to the hills. Because what is it that we are offering? We are not offering icons. We are not offering good Byzantine or Russian chant. We are offering eternal life. We are offering salvation in life and union with Christ. That is why we exist as a church. And that is our ultimate goal of why we think all of those other things that we have, all of the beautiful things that we have in this church are there for that reason to guide us into our salvation. There's no other reason. And we think to ourselves, but if we, you know, if I just had, or you know, if we had a different priest, or if we had a different, de- maybe if we had a deacon, oh, if we had a deacon, it would be great. Father's thinking that. But we have everything that we need. Why? Because we have the body and blood of Christ. And loved ones, let us never lose focus of why we come to church on Sunday morning. It's not for feel good and uplift. You can get that on Joel Osteen on Sunday morning on your TV, and it's a lot easier. You want good uplift? It's to come to face to face with the living God and to meet him and to fall down on our face like Moses did before the burning bush because the place that you are standing is holy ground. Peter took his eyes off Christ and he began to sink. He left the safety of the boat. When we leave the safety of the church, we begin to lose it. You know what? There's a lot of problems in the world and the church is full of them. You know, I, I, I work in the military. I hear all the time from young people who say, I don't like church, it's full of hypocrites. Or, you know what, I don't like religious people at all. And they say this. And then when they go to the doctor's appointment, I'll say, why are you going to the doctor's? I said this to a young man once. I said, why are you going to go to the doctor's office? And he said, that's where you go when you're sick. Oh, really? Guess what? The church is the same way. When you're spiritually sick and you recognize it, you want to go to church. You want to go get healed of your infirmities by the great physician. And he looked at me and thought I was crazy. But I said, because I don't want to go to a hospital. I, don't, I hate hospitals. No, forgive me, doctors. I don't like hospitals. I'll be honest with you. Maybe it's because I don't like to come face to face with my own mortality. Maybe that's it. But I go to a hospital when I'm sick. We are sick. Why we're here. We are coming to get healed by the great physician. And today we are going to participate in the medicine of immortality. As St. Ignatius so greatly said in his epistle. We thank God for the church and for all that he has given to us. We are the guardians of this. Let us never lose sight of why we exist and why we are here this morning. To him be the glory now and forever. Amen. Amen.